Idleman Unplugged is part of the Edify Podcast Network. I want to see your face Pass me by the crowds of people The priests who sing your praise Hello, my name is Shane Idleman, and I'm the pastor of Westside Christian Fellowship in Leona Valley, California. It is my personal heart and goal for you to see truth through a biblical perspective. I hope that you enjoy this segment of Idleman Unplugged. Has a generation arose that knows not the Lord? Is there a confusing time for the church? I'm Mark Taylor. Thanks for tuning in today's Crosspoint. Uh, my guest today is Shane Eidelman. You hear him each day here on Canio, and he's here to join us today. We're talking about some books he's put together. He's wrote several books. Of course, you listen to him each day here at 3.30 on the air. In fact, this first book here reminds me of your program, Jaina, you know, Answers for a Confused Church. But then you talk about times change, truth does not. We hear that every day with your program. Oh, that's where it started, believe it or not. There's no doubt about we've got a confused church out there today. Uh, a lot of confusing things going on. To tell you the truth, Shane, I kind of like the idea of getting in the middle of this because the church has kind of not been the church it should be for a long time. And it's time for a confused church to start getting it right and wake up. Absolutely. And if you look, I think a recent Barna poll showed that 72% of all churches in America now are not adhering to the inerrancy of Scripture. They don't look at the Bible as their final source. That's why you have a lot of sermons out there that are motivational, uh, seeker-friendly. But the true church of God is going to be led by men filled with God's Spirit. And when they preach from the pulpit, it's through brokenness and humility, but it's thus saith the Lord. The difficult things and the good things, the truth, but all and, and grace and love, but also judgment and righteous and holiness. They preach the whole counsel of God. And actually, if you look at Jeremiah 23, for example, the, throughout the Old Testament, the defining mark of a false prophet, believe it or not, was saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. In other words, God's saying, I'm not saying this. You're, you're encouraging the people in their sin. You're not calling them to repentance. That's a, that's a sign of a false prophet. So when you look at the, the Bible, you look at all these political hot buttons. The Bible is crystal clear on LGBTQ issues. It's clear on the border. It's clear on abortion. It's clear on the governmental office uh, and political hot buttons. It, it's crystal clear, and there shouldn't be any confusion because God's Word is not confusing. It's crystal clear. And so Answers for a Confused Church in that book, I just talk about the, the political hot buttons. Uh, and, and why we don't have to be confused. Oh, did God really say this? We don't know. I mean, people were born this way, and, and shouldn't we be more... Uh, I remember there was a big movement. I don't know if you remember this, the emergent church movement. Oh, yeah. There's still yeah, indicators of it, but the big movement was get away from preaching and just have a conversation, to remove the pulpit and have a couch. Can we really know these things? Yeah, I mean, if the, vir- if the virgin birth isn't true... I mean, does it really that matter? It matters like jumping on a trampoline. Can't you remove one of the springs? You know, and this 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 challenging of God's words because and if you're if your listeners go to Shane Eidelman on on Fox News, um, I did I did I went flew out to New York and did some debating on on these issues. It's very telling because some of these pastors talk about, you know, can we really know? Did Paul really mean that? Wasn't that the culture of the day? And I mean, abortion, I mean, the government allows it. Shouldn't we submit to the government? I mean, read Romans 13 and gay marriage. I mean, people are, it's how they were born, Shane, and we need to be more loving and welcoming and affirming. And, and they're, they're confused over all these issues. 
And that's why there are answers for a confused church. The answers are found. And you have to get to a point like Billy Graham when he had that, uh, that, that fallout with Chuck Templeton. And Chuck, Chuck Templeton became liberal. And he began to question the Word of God. And Billy Graham laid his Bible on a tree stump, out, actually out here by where I'm at, up in the mountains here about an hour away, and put his Bible out and said, I, I, this is the Word of God. I don't understand everything, but I'm going to claim it, and I'm going to believe it, and I'm going to live my life based on that. And he was a man on fire from that day forward. And same holds true with us. We've got to get back to this is the Word of God. And I don't understand everything. I'm going to preach on the absolute inerrancy of Scripture. And here's why this is so important. God honors that. He says, that's a man I can fill with my spirit. Boldness is the byproduct of being filled with the Spirit. It's not weirdness. It's not a gift of the Holy Spirit. It is boldness. Boldness to preach the unadulterated truth of God's Word, and that's where that tagline comes from, times change, truth does not. Well, I think something else in the book that I read along here, you talk about unity, and you'd say it's not unity for just the sake of unity, but that's what uh, a lot yeah. of, yeah, a lot of people compromise for this sake of unity, but then it's not really unity. No, it's not, and I get, you know, p- people get a little upset with me in my area, we're in California and Los Angeles County, and they want me to come to interfaith meetings. Uh-huh. You know, uh, these different faiths coming together, whether it's Buddha, Hindu, Muslim, uh, even Mormon, or, or different things. And, hey, I'll get lunch with you, and we can have a friendship, but to go and be united, uh, we can't do that, because it's heretical. You're not worshiping the one true and living God, so how can I go and be united in something that where we are fundamentally divided? So unity throughout the entire Bible is unity of the faith, unity of the truth, unity of doctrine, from that unity, uh, that then we can be united in all these different things. But you can't, unity is thrown around a lot lately. Uh, Roman Catholicism, the Pope, let's just all come together, let's be united. I mean, we can be united on the cause of abortion, or uh, getting the right people in office, but when it comes to faith and belief and the inerrancy of Scripture, uh, Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only life. There is no compromising that. There is no wiggle room. If you, if you deny these foundational issues, I cannot be united with you in this work that God has for us. We can get lunch, we can go play golf, but, but we can't act as if uh, these, these, these fundamental beliefs that are so different that we, we, we put those aside. Actually, Paul would say, be divide from those who are divisive, divide from those who are sexually immoral in the Church, don't have anything to do with them. Why? Because then you're what you're doing is you're condoning. So if I act as if, you know, liberal pastors or these drifting away from God's Word, if I act like, hey, it's no big deal, let's just all come together, let's not talk about the elephant in the room, I'm capitulating. I'm being a coward. And that's what we're seeing on a lot of, of, of churches in our nation, is that same exact thing. You also mentioned that liberty has limits. Yes. You say the key is to ask the question, will it build me up spiritually or pull me down and will it harm others? Uh, yeah, we need to look a little bit at that, don't we? When I, I think, I don't know, on, on, I don't have the book in front of me, but that I also write on, like, addiction. Mm-hmm. And so that might have had to do with more this big movement in the Church to, you know, with alcohol at Bible studies, alcohol right. beer at Bible studies, and making your own, you know, drinks, and, and just this liberty. Uh, our, we do have liberty in these things, but liberty has limits. In other words, we shouldn't be saying, can I do this? We should be saying, should I do this? You can own a rattlesnake, but should you? And so that's what we mean by Christian liberty, and I hear it a lot. I can watch whatever I want. What I have, I have the liberty. Well, 
you, you can, but should you? Because liberty has limits. Liberty, true biblical liberty, is, is to operate within the framework of biblical responsibility. In other words, you shouldn't be watching things that are going to pull you away from the Lord and hurt your relationship with God. That liberty has limits, and I, I believe that's what I meant by that. Well, you also go on and say in that same page here, you you talk about judgmentalism, you talk about compassion, understanding, but you said it's it's often not what we say, but how we say it that tilts the scales. Well, yeah, and I, I try to get that really across to our listeners, that you don't apologize for the truth. The truth yeah. will offend. There's no way around it. I get negative emails every single week for the last decade because people are offended by the truth. But my attitude shouldn't offend them, if that makes sense. In other words, how I treat them, my tone, what I say to them, you know, that shouldn't offend them. We have people at our church uh, that struggle uh, with same-sex attraction, that struggle with every single sin. Who, I mean, we're all, you know, there's all people struggling with things. And we are, we are what we call welcoming, but not affirming. In other words, we welcome all lifestyles, uh, but we're not going to affirm it. And you're going to be convicted, and you're going to want to change, or you're probably going to want to leave the church. So the truth, as long as it's coming from a, a humble heart, a gracious heart, not trying to tell people off, that's going to offend people, but our attitude should. And then you mentioned that word judgmentalism. I've talked about it before in some of my, my messages, but I, was, I, I came back to the Lord around 1999, 2000 or so, and I began to read the Word, devour the Word, you know, Spurgeon's lectures to my students, John Calvin's commentary, Norman Geisler, uh, Wayne Gruden's systematic theology, and I was just so puffed up because of knowledge. And I see that in the church a lot. There's a lot of puffing up of knowledge. And I could tell, I mean, I could pick apart everybody. I could say some names right here that people would know, you know, some of the big names. I could pick them apart. And uh, my mom finally came to me and said, Shane, you, nobody, your family doesn't want to be around you. You're just too, you're too judgmental. My wife confirmed it. I'm like, oh, my goodness so i just i just really it really broke me and it hurt so it's a good thing if you're being hurt get hurt <laughs> the blessing of brokenness i have an article on my website right now the blessing of brokenness and how these things if god uses these things to break you and break you and break you that's how you get the wonderful perfume as the flower petals are crushed that's how you get the wonderful olive oil the olives are crushed and allowing uh, our, uh you know to be teachable and humble so that was i went through that season of judgmentalism where I could pick apart everyone, and God really just kind of broke my heart. I became more tender, more loving, more understanding, and then I believe my ministry just really exploded. It took on a whole new... Because you, the arrogant pulpit is not possible. You know, the arrogant pastor, that's an oxymoron. It, it, it really comes from a, a, a tender, bold heart that speaks the truth in love and spends a lot of time with God and a lot of time in repentance and getting our own heart right. Yeah, well, a big area, too, today is sexual sin in the church. You address that, chapter 4 of the book. You say, unfortunately, one of the greatest mistakes in the culture today involves not being able to discern between right and wrong. The battle cry is focused on individual rights rather than obedience to God's Word. Uh, this is a big challenge for the church. Yeah, the, in sexual sin, I mean, it could go either way. If you're talking about the, L, the LGBTQ issues or... I mean, pornography is, is an epidemic right now. Well, living together, um, all of it. Yeah, you live everything. And uh, what do you do with God's word? Um, is if you want to obey it, you want to honor it. Uh, is there accountability uh, with sexual sin and being open and transparent and, and accountable? But you know, the more time you spend with God and prayer and fasting and obedience and holiness, 
uh, these things, like everything else, is, is not an issue because it doesn't have a stronghold in your life. The reason sexual sin has a stronghold in, in many lives is because they're giving into it. Paul says, well, whatever you choose to obey becomes your master. And so, again, it, it's just getting back to that desperate relationship with God. And you do, I mean, practical things. You remove the things that are stumbling blocks. You know, I've mentioned software out there that every single website you visit that's questionable can go to your spouse. Uh, now, that in and of itself isn't going to help you, but it's one area of accountability showing that there's desperation and repentance, not filling your mind with the things of the world, not watching things you shouldn't be, because all of that feeds itself. You're either feeding the Spirit of God and being filled with God's Spirit, or you're feeding the things of the world. And uh, that those two, those two um, things are directly opposed to that. Paul said, our choices are never free from fulfilling the lust of the flesh and fulfilling the the desires of the spirit and we've got it we've got a battle and war against those things well folks stay with us and we'll be back with more right after this welcome back to cross point i'm mark taylor my guest uh, shane eidelman uh shane's written some really good books he's got a lot of really good stuff out there and of course we hear about these on his program every day but today we're talking to him a little bit more in depth than these right now talking about uh, answers for a confused church Shane, tell people how they can find out more about all this information that you offer uh, through your website, through the church's website. Yeah, all the books are free downloads, uh, all 12 of them, at westsidechristianfellowship.org, westsidechristianfellowship.org. But those who have Kindle or want to read, listen to some on Audible uh, or Amazon, order the hard copy, that's on my website, shaneidleman.com. So it depends what their needs are, where they can find those books, all, all 12 of them are there so uh, we made that pretty easy you even and i like it you want to get on to some of these touchy areas and we need to talk about them chapter five of this book we're talking about politics the great divide now it is by just by that Ooh. definition but you talk about you say historians realize that a government like ours in america cannot last forever collapse is caused by moral decay and financial irresponsibility uh, if that doesn't speak for itself today and liberty often leads to abundance, abundance to complacency, complacency to apathy, apathy to the laws to freedom. And based on this, uh, where we are today, unfortunately, countless people are confused that God's patience about that it's not his approval. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because when that, that statement, God's patience is not his approval, means he's patient, he's long-suffering, but he, he doesn't approve of the direction we are going. It's interesting. People don't like me being political unless I agree with their political topic or their political candidate. And so that's really where that movement in the church comes from, that, well, don't be political, but your your faith influences all areas of life. We should be concerned who is directing our nation, who is appointing people over housing and urban development and over yes. the educational system, who is the department, who's heading up the Department of Justice, who is our ambassador i mean it's highly important god ordained the, the government the family and the church you know the family is that structure that unit of the family and then the church is to go out and do his work and then the government ideally is to judge righteously how the nation was initially conceived uh, now there of course there's the issues with slavery and we have uh, you know marks on our history that are not pleasant but for the for the, the majority of christians who were leading this nation were men and women who just wanted to honor god and Politics just means governing or leading a group of people. And I'm pretty sure God's Word has a lot to say about that. Now, our goal isn't politics. Politics is not going to save our nation. 
However, we have a responsibility to honor God's Word. And, and of course, the big thing, you, you, I'm sure you've heard it with the separation of church and state. Sure. You know, it's, it's nowhere in our founding documents. Thomas Jefferson, I believe, was writing to the Baptists of Danbury, Connecticut, and, and said, hey, separation of church and state, basically, don't worry, the government is not going to have a national religion, like a Presbyterian or Methodist, I think back then it was Congregational or Episcopalian. He, he said, don't worry, you can keep your own, you know, your own denomination. However, separation, that doesn't mean we can't acknowledge God and government. It, it, it didn't. It, we actually are supposed to acknowledge God and government. We are supposed to honor His Word, make laws according to His Word. Blackstone's commentaries of the laws of England gave Scripture references, and that's what the legal system used for many, many decades. And uh, so I think that's where, you know, we get in trouble is if we're, if, I don't know what the right, if we're too political, meaning it's all about politics, uh, that's our only hope, and it's all about, you know, voting and this and that. You know, we're, our primary focus is the gospel for sure. But the gospel penetrates all areas of life. For example, I've been saved, I've been set free, now I want to make a difference and speak out against abortion. Now I want people in positions of leadership who share my, my passion for the right to life and to, 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 and, and, uh, and, and, and to get rid of abortion. So obviously I'm going to be political in that sense. And that's not wrong. It's, it's God-honoring, because as the leadership goes, so goes the nation. Yeah. You know, you, you, you look at how far we've drifted from the truth, and it's amazing. So I don't know if that answered your question, but that was my little rant on politics. Well, And I, I should throw this in there real quick. We become wrongly judgmental. For example, yeah. if God has given me a desire to speak about political issues, he might not have given a different pastor that same desire. So that's fine. Do your thing, I'll do my thing. We should complement each other, not complain and put each other down. And I see this out here. Uh, for example, California, some of the pastors are very active politically, and some aren't. And so those who aren't will put those down those who are, and those who are will put down those who aren't. And so I just think we under, we need to understand different giftings, different calling. You know, thank God for Tony Perkins and Family Research Council and, and these other people, but then there's other pastors who are not going to be very political. And God has created us with these different, different desires uh, based on how and what He wants us to do. Well, it's not just political, but also you address in Chapter 7 of the book, Preaching, and you talk about the fundamental truths that are often neglected, watered down, or avoided altogether in the hope of uh, not offending or securing an audience uh, to be user-friendly. Now, I probably visit more churches than anybody. When I say, uh, you know, an evangelist may be visiting churches, but they're visiting basically within a denomination or a couple or three, whatever. I visit a couple hundred churches a year because I just wow. like to go and I want to hear the heartbeat of those churches. I have a main church, you know, that I work through on Sunday most generally if I'm not filling for somebody else. I've been a pastor, and I like to go where I can find them open on Wednesday night, revival here, this going there, Sunday night, whatever. I want to hear the hearts of what's going in these churches and why the churches are or are not effective. And I sometimes... A shame can go to a completely, totally different denomination uh, and hear one sermon and hear another, and it's almost identical. <laughs> there, There's nothing really challenging. It's just basically same as, same as always. Yet, the, just like you said, the times are changing, you know, and yes, truth does not, but God's Word has to address the times. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And that, see, I think you hit on a, a, a really good uh, thread here. And 
I'm just like everyone else. I can drift away and not be filled with the Spirit. And, and so I'm not coming with a judgmental attitude. But I am saying that once I turn my heart back around to God, God filled me with the Spirit. The boldness that you hear on the radio or the sermon, uh, the church was built around that. Um, so I didn't come in trying to please you know, a, a, a board of directors and, and trying to please the audience. And if not, they're going to remove me. And so a lot of pastors are in a, in a unique yeah. struggle. God built us from the ground up. We planted it with 12 people, and now we've, we've grown to three services and, and a lot of a national ministry. But it's built around the preaching of His Word, built around the truth and not compromising. Uh, and just, you know, sometimes it's very encouraging, but sometimes it's very convicting. And that's what the Word of God is, living and active. And so a lot of pastors are not spending a lot of time in God's Word and, and broken and and praying and fasting and saying, Lord, what do you want me to say? And then through that depth, that deep reservoir, that deep communion with God comes the sermon. You're just not seeing that. So a lot of guys are in a hurry. They're, they're looking on, on, on social media too much. They're pulling their sermon from this, and they want to, okay, I want everyone to like me. I want to be encouraging. I want to be motivational, and we don't want to lose the big givers. Uh, and I know, uh, for example, there's a big, big church out in Georgia, and uh, a lot of political things there, but he won't talk about politics. He, he doesn't want to lose a lot of people. He doesn't want to talk about the hard issues. And so um, that's really not a pastor. That's a motivational speaker. Yes. And there's a, there's a big difference. A pastor is to faithfully proclaim all of God's truth in the power of the Holy Spirit through a humble and gracious heart and let the chips fall where they may. But if you're just a motivational speaker, and if you look the top churches on the Internet and on TV, it, they're motivational speakers. They're, they're, that's what they're doing. They're, they're always encouraging, always motivating, and we need that. Don't get me wrong, but you've got you to gotta bring the fire of God from time to time. You've got to bring the boldness of the Holy Spirit, because that's where true, true change is going to take place. That's why we're seeing that America is not repenting and changing, because the pulpits are not aflamed with righteousness. We're flamed with the woke culture being politically correct, not offending anyone. Have we ever stopped to consider that we might be offending God by not preaching all yeah. of His Word? But again, it goes back to that relationship with God. Everything I said, I could not do if it wasn't for the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. That's where the unction comes from, the anointing comes from, the clarity comes from, the boldness comes from, the power comes from. It, it all comes from you submitting to the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's what more preachers and pastors need to do. They need to throw their fires and their, their sermons in the fire like Samuel Chaddock and experience the fire of God and say, Lord, what do you want to say? I'm done pleasing people. I'm not concerned about nickels and noses. I don't care if this shrinks down. I don't care if I lose half the deacon board. Yeah. I need to honor you. And that's when you're going to see a mighty move of God's Spirit is when we can get back to that total dependence on Him. Well, truth will cost you. You know, Shane, oh, yeah. if, you, if you're going to stand up and talk the truth, it is going to cost you. Things are going to happen. Uh, I've seen it. I I talked to a lot of pastors, uh, and, uh, you know, I've had pastors call me because they didn't have anybody to talk to or come into yeah. my office and tell me stories, you know, where, you know, somebody was pushing back on them because of something they said in a sermon. And, you know, they want to stand their ground, and you got to stand your ground. Because, you know, ultimately, we've got to answer to God in the end. That's, that's going to be the ultimate oh, part. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, if you're, you're hearing the sermons, your listener are hearing the sermons here at Westside Christian Fellowship, you know, I get, a, I, I get a lot of pushback, too. Of course, a lot of encouragement. But, you know, every week or so, there's somebody that 
is convicted. They don't really like what I said, and I've had I've to meet with people. But I think the key is if you're teachable and humble and gracious and listening yeah. to what they say and don't have a defensive attitude right away, you can say, okay, I understand that, but here's why I have to do that. Uh, but I've learned a lot, too, from the critics as well on maybe how to make a point a little better and yeah. not be so offensive because you don't want to you don't want to be offensive for the sake of being offensive. Yeah. You ju- you want the truth to to definitely change the heart but um being learn learning and being teachable and I just started something last week it's called Pastors Unplugged. Uh so they can find some new podcast. It's under Idleman Unplugged on our web- my website chainalman.com so it's Pastors Unplugged. And I'm going to talk about all these things that you know what does it mean to speak God's word faithfully? Uh, can you speak about politics in the pulpit? Um, what do you do when you're overbearing? And so all these things, trying to help pastors navigate, because these are difficult waters. I mean, you've got now with the, the COVID, the restrictions, if you're not for vaccines and, and mandates and masks, you're not, you're not really loving your neighbor. If you're not, um, you're on social media, so now you've got followers and likes and disgruntled people. Now people can say whatever they want about you in their blog. And boy, this is, this is some difficult uh, waters to navigate until yeah. they need encouragement, I think, like never before. And, you know, the same with you or the same here when you're dealing with these things with the confused church or confused ministry period is, you know, we've had people here and they've not agreed with something that's been said on the air and you really kind of oh, give sure. you an opinion and you've had the same. But, you know, it's kind of like panning for gold. You, you've got to sit there and wash that water around and find those nuggets of truth and say, well, they did have a point when they did say that to me. You know, and yeah. see what what can I learn from that nugget? You don't have to take the whole pan, <laughs> but you do have right. to pay attention because God can right. a right. little bit. God can use somebody to kind of help you, but on the oh. other hand, they can get out of hand and be overly used by God or think you know think they're going to have a little extra help. Absolutely. I mean, for example, you know, when I talked about political buttons um, right before uh, you know during the election. I talked about uh, the former president and, and different things and, um, you know, getting godly people in office, even though maybe he's not, at least the people are, you know, that with overseeing all these different areas of office. So I guess when I would mention, mention certain things, people would get offended. And so I met with some families and tried to understand where they're coming from. It doesn't mean I change how I feel, but it does mean I can be more sensitive to the audience and learn from it. I mean, that's a good communicator. Yeah. I don't think no pastor has perfect theology. No pastor has a perfect sermon uh, for an hour. At least that's, you know, I speak for an hour. And so we can learn from others and we can fine-tune our gifting. And God wants us to be teachable and humble and uh, and learn from others as well. It doesn't mean compromise, but it does mean learn and grow from it. Yeah. And again, kind of tell us how people can find out more about these books and all this information you have. All 12 books are at westsidechristianfellowship.org, westsidechristianfellowship.org. They can download the books for free. Or they can go to shaneidleman.com and read all the articles about revival and away. everything we've just been talking about is, is on my website, website shaneidleman.com. It also has links to order the book. If you do want to do Amazon or Kindle and places like that, we had to, we had to separate the two uh, websites for that. So that's, that's the best place to find everything. The podcast is there as well, shaneidleman.com. Uh, sermons, the YouTube page for the sermons, everything is, is there. That would be helpful if they need more information. That website is helpful. Yeah, and this new Unplugged and all that, everything's in there. All right, well, stay with us, folks, and we're going to be back with more right after this. Welcome back to Crosspoint. I'm Mark Taylor. Shane Eidelman is my guest today, uh, talking about uh, the book now that 
he put out one nation above God. And Shane, here in the page 27 of the book, you say, we are living in extremely critical times. Make no mistake about it. We are witnessing the rapid deterioration of a nation right before our eyes. Then you go down here on the next paragraph. There are times to encourage, motivate, and uplift, but there are also times to confront, challenge, and contend for what is right. The time is now. Christians better start stepping up to the plate. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and not just um, not just an action, but an attitude. Yeah. And what we've been talking about with humility and brokenness, and that book really came from, I, I think when a, a person completely surrenders their life to God, doesn't mean they're perfect, but gives him everything, and there's a filling of the Holy Spirit that takes place, a life-changing encounter with God, that he will give them different desires, different giftings, some for the mission field, some for worship, some for uh, pregnancy resource centers, some for the homeless. And he gave me a desire, and I began reading a lot about the conception of our nation, you know, the, uh, the original intent of the Founding Fathers, uh, what was built uh, I can't prove it, but my lineage can be traced to Pilgrim White, the first baby born on the Mayflower Cape Cod Bay. So I, I, it, just that desire to read, it, I would read, uh, you know, John Jay, the first Supreme Court Justice, what did he say about God and the, 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 what the Supreme Court and what the Founding Fathers quoted and referenced the Bible four times more than any other source. Uh, also in that book, One Nation Above God, mentioned page after page of Founding Fathers and leaders who abhorred the practice of slavery. See, we don't hear about that. We just hear about the, the, those who promoted slavery because there's a false narrative that's trying to be pushed on our nation that we're all racist. Um, and so the book is a spo- exposing hypocrisy. It's exposing the truth behind uh, our, our nation. A lot of people didn't know you couldn't even run for office unless you believed in God. They didn't know the public school system was founded in the 1620s to teach kids the Word of God. Uh, they didn't know that uh, the rules of Harvard, you know, you know put Jesus Christ at the bottom as the only foundation of all sound knowledge and learning, and all these great universities that used to be God-honoring and training up them. And so we see, look at what was built, and look at how far we've drifted from the truth. So I think it's like it was a wake-up call in my own life when people realize how far we've drifted. They want to get back on track and saying, Lord, use me. I repent. I repent of complacency and and, and just um, pride, and Lord, use me again. And and that's really what the book is. It's been a catalyst. Uh, the One Nation Above God has been a catalyst to get people back to the original intent of the Founding Fathers and what I believe when God called the pilgrims and Puritans over and what was being established and built, I think it's, it's, it's important to look at those roots. And that's why I don't think there's anything wrong with having pride in our nation, proud of what God has done. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being a patriot. As long as God is the, the reason behind it, yeah. Uh, it, 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 and and uh, uh, yeah, and so just it's confronting all the false ideology that's out there today. Yeah, you talk about the Constitution and part of it, you know, religious expressions. But you say the wall that was designed to protect America's freedom has now imprisoned her. And you talk about the original ten of the founders, not to remove God's word from society, but to promote it. Well, we've sure got a battle today to get it out of society, don't we? Yeah, and it, it's changed over the years. I can't remember the exact, uh, I think it was Everson versus the Board of Education. The Supreme Court basically now built a wall of separation. In other words, the government, the state, we can't say anything religious. We've got to take prayer out of school. We've got to remove God's Word. And they took the separation of church and state 
totally out of context. Uh, basically says Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion. That's the establishment clause. They can't establish a national religion, nor can they prohibit the free exercise thereof. But acknowledging God is not establishment. Our, is not establishing a national religion. So we can we can acknowledge the sovereign hand of God in all areas of living, from the public schools to the courts, and and be unapologetic. We can acknowledge that. He, and we don't have to force it on people, we don't have to make a national religion, but we can say, hey, we are built on God's Word, we're going to honor God's Word. Now, granted, we've drifted so far, the Titanic has been struck, we are sinking, but it's time to jump into the lifeboat of God's arms of forgiveness and restoration, see what He wants to do from this point forward. But that's that's mainly what that, that statement was talking about. And you do talk about praying for those in authority. Now, Shane, that is difficult when we see some of the things that are going on in our nation. I mean, especially even in your own state, you know, uh-huh. to, to pray for people in authority is is a very difficult. In other words, when I say to pray for him, to pray for him in the right frame of mind. <laughs> yes, not go get him, God. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we I look at it like we pray for them just like we would our neighbor that doesn't know the Lord. You know, I pray for our governor, Newsom, and his wife and his, his daughters and um you know, I disagree on just about everything, but, you know, Lord, change their heart. Get them get them to know you. Have someone introduced to them that really has a passion for you, God. Just begin to draw them to you, and, and, and it's, it's biblical to pray for those who you don't love uh, or you don't, you know, you don't appreciate and you don't uh, understand, you don't agree with. And so um, it really changes my heart as I pray for them. It, I become softer and I become tender and, and, and more pliable and used of God versus hard and mad and angry and upset. I mean, that's not going to change anything. You see all these people posting negative things on Facebook, and sometimes we need to do that, or, or Twitter, or all the, and, and they're so mad and angry, and yeah, okay, but that's not going to accomplish anything. What's going to accomplish a lot is if my people humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their own wicked ways, and then I will be able to hear from heaven and answer their prayers. You hit a nail on the head here a while back when we were talking about, and, and I don't understand it, Shane, either, is why are not the churches calling prayer meetings? Why are not more churches setting aside a night? You know, we started in August of 2020. I went to our county commissioners and asked to pray on the courthouse lawn for the upcoming election every Monday night until the election in November. After that, people wanted to continue to pray. We have never quit on Monday nights. We have never missed a Monday night since that Monday night in 2020 on of August 1st. And the citizens, they come from all backgrounds, all different churches, and we pray every Monday night. We have a building the city give us to pray in when it's cold. We pray outside wow. on the courthouse lawn when it's warm in the summer. And the people, last week, we had them standing. We didn't have enough chairs, uh, but they were standing. I'm thinking, why aren't the churches doing this? Well, the main reason is there's no spiritual hunger. Why pray? We're doing good financially. <clears throat> yeah, maybe the, our, the guy we wanted isn't in office. Uh, we're, we're pretty, we're secure. The stock market's doing great. Um, I'm, I'm comfortable. And why would I want to do that? There's no spiritual hunger. Yeah. And so that's what we've been talking about on these episodes is fueling that spiritual hunger getting to a place of desperation and, 
And uh, you can you look at like look at all the seven children died in Kentucky on one street, yeah. And the tornado and the sex trafficking and the abortion industry and the crime. I mean, if that doesn't get you to to break and humble yourself and set your alarm clock for early in the morning and begin seeking God, I don't know what what's it going to take. Yeah, what's that, it going to take a missile a missile <laughs> from Russia? Yeah, I mean, a collapse of the economy. I, I try to stay positive too, but our economy is. Talk about hanging by a shoestring. Yeah, I mean, if China called in their debt, if um, if the, the the inflationary and the the, the the central bank, all of this is we don't have the money we're spending. They're no. just creating money out of nothing. If you study the central bank and, and know how that works, I mean, it, it, we're in some dangerous waters. Yes, we <laughs> you are. Know, God's got to God's got to keep us afloat, and He could for His purposes. I'm I'm very optimistic. I'm very I'm real in the sense that. You know, to me, we're clearly experiencing a, an aspect of God's judgment without a yes. shadow of a doubt. Yes. But at the same time, God gives us a measure of revive, revival in our bondage. If the remnant cries out, "Oh God, rend the heavens and come down and visit your people," like Jeremiah, His word is in my heart like a like a burning fire. Oh God, give me that fire again, and God will begin to use His people. Uh, but it's not going to be utopia. It's not going to be the America of the 1950s. You know, we're in a fight until the day we die, a spiritual fight. This is how I fight my battles, on my face before God, worshiping, obeying His Word, and being used of the Spirit. And that's, that's what we have to, the message we have to get out there. Yeah. So that's why prayer is the hardest thing to do, one of the hardest things, prayer and fasting, of course, because it's a spiritual discipline where you've got to, you've got to take your thoughts captive, you've got to set aside time, the enemy's trying to distract you, you don't see immediate results. It's a spiritual discipline that, that actually... You experience the pain of discipline or the pain of regret, one or the other, and the 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 the, the fruit often follows the prayer time. It, it usually doesn't come first. You have to press in and really seek the heart of God uh, to get those prayers answered. Yeah, well, and your attitude. This a book again, One Nation Above God. You know, Shane, I, I look at that, and sometimes I'm thinking, sometimes if we come one church above God, uh, ah, you know that that that's. That's really kind of bugged me, too, because when I look at this COVID situation, I actually seen pastors use this as a way to quit having the Sunday night service, Sunday school on Sunday morning or Wednesday night service instead of, of or spinning it the other way. But they took it and, and deleted that out of their uh, deal. Well, and, and I believe God allowed this to show us. I mean, clear lines are being drawn in the sand. For sure, and, and we talked about it earlier, but you know when it first came out, we all backed off and said yeah. okay, and then we saw the shenanigans, we saw the fake numbers, we saw the ulterior motives, we saw the agendas, and then the bold the bold churches said okay, why would we scare a virus when we will go be with our savior? I, I really don't understand. You know, when it's my time, it's my time. I'm not going to just so yes, laziness can creep in. Was it easier to do a live stream once a week? Show up, do a live stream, yeah. go home. I mean, my flesh liked it. But the Holy Spirit inside of me was grieved and quenched. So we finally opened with Jack Hibbs out here in California, Rob McCoy, and uh, John MacArthur too. And uh, just we've added a service. We've been we've never done better financially. We have our Wednesday night service. We're actually getting ready to start having services every night of the week. Our children's ministry is above capacity. It's just amazing when you begin to honor God, and God gives us wisdom and discernment. Yeah. If the church can't be the church, and we're allowing fear and ulterior motives and, and the government's agenda to, to really control us. I don't know how many pastors told me, but Shane, Romans 13. Well, yeah, Romans 13 in context 
<laughs> it doesn't mean you always obey yeah. the government. It doesn't yeah. mean you always. But what about loving your neighbor? What about loving the neighbor that's that's addicted and their family's falling apart? What about loving those neighbors? Wearing a mask isn't just loving. I mean, if you want to do that, great. But really, loving your neighbor is not sitting at home being a coward. It's yeah. actually doing things for God. And just that statement, I know it that will upset people, but it's the truth. Yeah. Uh, be, use use wisdom. You know, wash your hands. Be, I've written books on health and fitness too. Um, people can look up. I, I talk about natural immunity. You want to you want to be prepared. Get the weight off. Get eating the right types of foods. Get the immune system built up. The right types of yeah. vitamins and minerals: vitamin D, vitamin K. Build up your immunity. Lose the weight. Get rid of the diabetes. Get rid of the medication. God's way, and you can you can really build up a strong strong immunity. So yeah. why are we throwing pills and potions and shots when a lot of times it's a direct result of our lifestyle choices? Yeah, not yeah. all the time. Not all the time. Don't get me yeah. wrong. But why is there no talk of natural immunity? It's just, yeah. you know, it's just kind of perplexing. Yeah, it is. Well, you do say it here, and we'll kind of wrap it up with the book. But you say we should always view challenging situations as opportunity to develop character. The only way to develop these car- these qualities, such as love, joy, peace, humility, and patience, is to be confronted with situations that require love, joy, peace, humility, and patience. How do we develop patience for uh, this if we're not tested and we are being tested. Well, and I, I'll admit, I mean, the first part of this year, I was pretty, pretty uh, distraught over what I saw happening with uh, a lot of different things from the election to yes. COVID. And, and just, I found myself getting negative and critical and mean spirited. And I just, I actually took some time off and spent a lot of time with God. I wrote about that in the book, 40 Days to Reset Your Life. I actually wrote that book during my sabbatical. And God really just reset my trajectory on, hey, allow these things to draw you closer to me, Shane, not further away. And isn't that true? If we allow these things to drive us to the cross, yep. that's, it's going to be amazing. If, if we're going to allow it to become bitter and mean and, and angry and arrogant, it's really going to you know, push us away from our, our goal of being filled with God's Spirit and doing great exploits for God. Yeah, and we need to be about that business for sure. Well, Shane, yeah. before we leave here, again, tell people, in, just in general here, how they can find out about your ministry. Maybe they want to contact you, ask you a question, check out more of these other books you've written, get involved in uh, some of these uh, podcasts and things like that you do. How can they do that? Uh, well, the, the free downloads of, the, of all 12 books, it's all at westsidechristianfellowship.org. WestsideChristianFellowship.org. They can click it and start reading the books now, free downloads. Or if they go to my site, Shane Eidelman, kind of easier to remember, ShaneEidelman.com. Uh, that's where the books are featured on Kindle and Amazon, and uh, that's why I have all the articles I've written on revival and restoration, renewal, and also the podcast. Uh, we talk about controversial things. We talk about politics and and uh, the President Trump and the current dilemma and the current political climate. We're not scared of those things. We believe God's word. There's a lot to say about that. So that's all on Eidelman Unplugged. Uh, you can find it at ShaneEidelman.com. It's my podcast for pastors. And then also we have one for, for just uh, just people who are not in leadership. And that's probably the best spot, ShaneEidelman.com. All right. Well, Shane, again, thank you so much for being our guest today on Crosspoint. It was a pleasure. I'm glad to reach, uh, what is that, the Bible Belt? That is what we called around here. All right. Well, I'm in, I'm in Los Angeles County, California, and you're in the Bible Belt, and I think a lot of people will be saying amen to these programs. You can yeah. see it's the same Holy Spirit. Yes, it same is. Same Holy Spirit, no matter 
where you live. And I thought about moving out of California a dozen times, but yeah. Yeah. We're, we're here to, to, to do business till he returns. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this episode of Idleman Unplugged, be sure to send us your ideas and topics for future episodes of the podcast. You can send us an email at westsidechristianfellowship.org or shaneidleman.com. Again, my name is Luke Duncan, and I am your host of Idleman Unplugged. Thank you for listening to us today, and join us again on the next episode. Thank you for listening to Idleman Unplugged. For more information, visit us at shaneidleman.com. Again, that's shaneidleman.com. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. El Paseo Publications proudly supports the Westside Christian Fellowship Radio Network. We are committed to quality in Christian publication. Free ebooks can be found at westsidechristianfellowship.org under free ebooks. Books such as What Works for Men and What Works for Young Adults will help readers understand that the obstacles ahead are never greater than God's power to take you through. Books such as What Works When Diets Don't and Feasting and Fasting demonstrate how health can be achieved from a biblical perspective. Other free books such as Answers for a Confused Church and Desperate for More of God show the importance of fully surrendering our lives to Christ. And One Nation Above God is a must-read for anyone concerned about the direction of America. Again, free downloads of these eBooks are available at westsidechristianfellowship.org. We are happy about partnering with the Westside Christian Fellowship Radio Network.